Welcome to Full Disclosure, a podcast to provide legal information and updates to individuals, businesses and business advisors in South Australia. This podcast is brought to you by Meller Olson Lawyers, a full service South Australian law firm. The information, opinions and advice in this podcast are for general information only. In today's episode, I'm joined by partner James McEwen and solicitor Charlie Parsons. James and Charlie both work in our property, leasing and local government team at Mellor Olsen. Welcome, James and Charlie. Thanks, Lucy. Nice to be here. Good to have you. All right. So, guys, let's have a little chat about, I guess, coming out of uh, COVID-19 and the ceasing of JobKeeper. I guess from a leasing perspective, you guys have been working with landlords and also tenants over the last 12 months mm. through what has been quite an, uh, a difficult time. Um, we've obviously had a lot of initiatives in place to essentially um, cushion the blow that is um, deferred rent payments, but it is going to catch up with people. Let's have a little bit of chat about that and, and give me some examples about, I guess, what you've come across mm. in COVID-19. Because we act for landlords and tenants, big and small, we've seen the full gambit. So initially what happened was we had the COVID Emergency Responses Act come in and, and that, that, that set up a code and um, certain things couldn't be done by landlords uh, because obviously tenants, tenants were under uh, distress, but so were landlords. So we, we saw examples of... Um, Tenants, particularly in hospitality, cafe owners who were, their businesses completely stopped. Um, And we saw landlords who um, were quick to work with tenants to come up with solutions that would would involve deferring um, existing obligations, whether they be rent and outgoings or or, or whatever, um, and coming together and negotiating agreements which would mean they'd be able to get through a period of time um, so that when things came back to normal. But the problem is we don't know when back to normal no. to normal is. But um, we're seeing a different normal. I mean, I'd imagine, for example, we talked about cafes. People are not actually returning to their place of business to work. There's now this new work from home. And I guess cafes in the CBD, for example, relied significantly on that foot traffic to buy a coffee to keep them afloat. Their new normal is very different. Yeah. We've seen examples, we've had a cafe client who had three cafes, they're down to one, and that involved um, negotiating a surrender of lease uh, with a a landlord who the realisation was it was unsustainable because that, not only did they have COVID, they also had an empty building under which they operated from. Mm -hmm. So we've seen that, but we've seen some really good outcomes. We've seen, um, we've got a landlord client who was very quick to work closely with their tenants and they negotiated what we described as deferment deeds. Mm-hmm. So long, or, or short term, but, but you know, say for a period of 12 months where they've come to arrangements in relation to rent and outgoings, which will be deferred, not waived, but deferred. And some of the savvy tenants um, also then negotiated variations to their long-term leases. And in one case, we saw a 10-year extension in the middle of COVID, um, which, was a, which was quite clever. So the landlord and the tenant worked together um, to keep the tenant there, but not only that, um, 
negotiate a long-term arrangement so that they'll be there on good terms. So, excuse my naivety, yeah. but I mean, reduced rent payments or deferment of rent payments is all well and good if the landlord themselves wasn't requiring that rent to pay their overheads, I guess. I mean, you know, it's a cascading effect really, isn't it? If, if your tenant doesn't pay you and then you don't have the means to pay, I guess, who you need to pay, yeah. <laughs> back your bank. Um, so I'm assuming that those things all come into play when it is negotiation time. Yeah, I think that's right. We'll, we'll, we'll see some pretty distressed landlords as well as tenants. Mm -hmm. It's not just all about the, about the tenants. Um, we've seen some smaller sort of, you'd describe as sort of baby boomer landlords who are, who are really struggling, mm -hmm. where their tenants have either gone or can't pay. And now they've got vacant buildings and that long term that's yeah. that's difficult. And yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there. I think one thing we've seen a lot of, just building on what James has said, is situations where tenants almost assume that the landlord is in a position where they can handle not receiving any rent at all. Mm -hmm. So we've had situations where they'll just completely stop paying any rent and stop communicating with the landlord. Right. Um, and there's this assumption that landlords can just afford that because they own a property. but. It's not quite that simple. Don't quite know how they own that property. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you just used an example of communication, I guess, and I, I understand that it, it's a lot about negotiation and finding something that works for both the parties. Can you give me some examples, I guess, of um, the good versus the bad, I guess? Some, mm. good, some good examples mm. of renegotiation and maybe some examples of where it hasn't, you know, the ceasing to even communicate. Yeah, certainly. Mm. Well. I think in terms of good communication, where we've seen that is where people have got on the front foot, just like what James was saying, even examples where they've managed to renegotiate other terms of the lease. That's probably the best communication we've seen early on the front foot. But there is also the flip side of that where people just stop communicating completely and in our experience that has never resulted mm. in a good outcome. The only time it's going to be a successful outcome is where the parties actually talk to each other and work out what each of them needs in order to be able to continue operating. Yeah, so a stubborn approach is not the way to go. No, and particularly also communicate <laughs> with your, with your um, advisors. So there's no point in lawyers going in hard because the reality is if you're acting for a landlord, ultimately you need a tenant. So the question should be, well, have you got an old, what, what's your, what's your longer-term game plan? Because you need this tenant probably anyway, mm -hmm. so let's work together. And you don't need a lawyer uh, making that even more difficult. So, so there's it's, no it's a, law surrounding this, I guess, negotiation? It's a very good question. So the law surrounding it is really the terms of the lease in your normal landlord and tenant law. But what happened during COVID is you had the COVID-19 Emergency Responses um, Act, and that's impacted in that you could not um, terminate during terminate a lease for breaches during that period, essentially. That's yeah. correct. So, yeah. and so that's created a bit of uncertainty with some uh, tenancies we've seen where there were existing breaches. So people had already perhaps been struggling and were in breach prior to COVID, and then tried to use COVID as an excuse to not pay the. Ex so in that yep. scenario, you could actually theoretically, uh, we didn't see this happen often, but those breaches are live and a, a landlord could um, 
commence termination proceedings or breach proceedings under a lease for those prior to COVID. But for that window of time, which finished on January the 3rd, if a tenant was um, in breach for non-payment of rent, a landlord couldn't um, terminate for breach during that period. So was that, it was a lot more um, there to support the tenant than it was the landlord? Yeah, I yeah. suppose on face value, yeah, yeah, it did seem that way. And then we found that with the mediation process under the Emergency Act, quite often it would skew in favour of the tenant as well because there's a general presumption that they're in a more vulnerable position, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. And on the flip side of that is then it came to the end of the prescribed period, which was 3rd of January this year. And then from that point we've seen a mix of responses but some landlords who almost have been waiting for that date to then say all right well now you don't have any protection pay us this month's rent immediately in full or you're out right and so, we haven't quite recovered and we're on a, a well, no, road to recovery mm. and, yeah. and some businesses are a, a bit different but when we look at hospitality for an example they haven't got that international travel we haven't got the the volume back no. to i guess not only make those deferred payments back but as well as whack here it is i expect yep. this in 30 days exactly yeah and people still have their mortgages and their business loans and even the city even though there are a lot of people in the city there'd be <coughs> elements where there are buildings that are still not fully back because they're they're international or national companies and their staff haven't come back and that can immediately impact on a cafe owner for example at the bottom of that building yeah so yeah. i guess we look at JobKeeper, for example, that has been there keeping some businesses afloat, essentially a cushion. Um, what we're anticipating with the ceasing of JobKeeper is, are these businesses who have now got rights to their employees, because obviously we haven't got those stand down um, contingencies, um, that they are going to really struggle to not only meet their overheads, but their rents are going to become quite difficult to meet as well. Mm. Yeah, I think and that goes back to our earlier point with with things like deferment deeds so those more sophisticated landlords and tenants who are able to negotiate them that provides a buffer that goes for a few more months or another year whereas the rest of them are either they're going to have to start negotiating those form of agreements now or landlords will start um, proceedings against tenants which I don't think should happen because they have probably haven't got alternatives anyway. So it's probably going to be um, a case of renegotiating leases, varying leases, negotiating alternative arrangements. So is that a good takeaway? I guess the conversation needs to start happening. If it hasn't happened already, have those conversations. Correct. Yeah. And record the terms in writing yep. because um, a lot of the conversations we've had, people have used the terms like, instead of deferment, they've said things like, oh, we waived their rent and I wonder if they meant defer or waive. Okay. And those things will get messy later down the track when a landlord says, no, we just deferred it for that period and then they've used terminology that's incorrect. So is this uh, a point in which um, they would engage with a solicitor like you, Charlie, to assist with those negotiations or is it something that someone can do through their accountant or just between themselves? To be honest, a lot of the time I think it's probably better, at least in the first instance, to try and manage it without legal input. Just because if you do that, it can all of a sudden start to seem very serious. I think if a lot of the good examples we've seen of successful communication has been where there hasn't been that legal in the background, mm -hmm. you know, sort of threatening presence. But yep. then if it starts to get too messy and no longer remains amicable, that's when you can start to get a bit of legal advice.
So what advice would you give to landlords and tenants moving forward given JobKeeper payments have ended? You know, so we talked about that communication, but what do they need to do? Well, I think in the first instance, yeah, is reach out and try and work out for both sides what is actually realistically achievable. So what rent can the tenant afford to pay, mm -hmm. but also what amount of waiver or deferral can the landlord afford, I think. Yeah. There's not always going to be a clear answer, but if you can try and meet somewhere in the middle, it's the best chances of moving forward. And James, you touched on the fact that it's in everyone's best interest to maintain that tenancy. Yeah, and that's why um, I agree with what Charlie said, and, and it's all about communication. And, and be honest, because the landlord, they, the both parties need each other, which is actually always the case with a, with a tenancy relationship mm -hmm. anyway, and I think that's often forgotten, particularly by lawyers who, you know, one's acting from one party and one's acting for the other. But ultimately, a landlord-tenant relationship is a long-term existing relationship and you, you, the landlord needs a tenant to do well and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So it's no different, it's just that there's difficult circumstances. So it's about communication and honesty. And then once, the, if they are going to renegotiate terms, make sure that they document them clearly mm -hmm. so that there's no ambiguity or dispute down the track, which I think is inevitable. We're going to see a, a whole lot of messy scenarios playing out in the future because things were done so quickly mm -hmm. in the pandemic. Do you think that they were also set up in place? Maybe you, you know, negotiated or renegotiated your terms back in October thinking that we're going to come out of this and we're going to come back to what was our normal, but it's a new normal, isn't it? Correct. So we might yeah. have renegotiated terms thinking that it will just return to what it was before and I'm going to have, the building's going to be full again, I'm going to have people buying coffees or whatever the example might be but that's actually not our new normal. So no. the terms that we negotiated six months ago actually may not suit. Correct, so they probably won't suit. The best ones I've seen are where there is a staged approach, but even that's, that was just guessing. Yeah. So uh, you, you're gonna see variations of leases and variations of those yeah. terms that were negotiated. And just on that, I think one way that can actually help work out what that new normal is, um, and which a lot of negotiations we've seen haven't done is the sharing of sort of not profit and loss, um, but the turnover of the business. So you could ask for, say, a tenant to provide their turnover for the month of February just gone and compare that to February last year and try and work out how much it's reduced and then work out a new rent based on that that yeah. is reasonable. So that is an option open to um, landlords to ask for that information to help them work out well what can I actually ask for here. Okay and so it's just agreement at this point in time both parties need to acknowledge and sign that you know renegotiated terms? Yep yeah any dealing in property needs to be in writing um, and then if that's if that's not the case the other the, the, the sort of worst case scenario is 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 agree on the terms of a surrender so don't just walk away, mm -hmm. but have a surrender arrangement whereby perhaps the outgoing tenant agrees to pay three or six months rent, um, rather than just have a dispute and it all ends in tears. Um, if, it's, if it's going to end, end it sensibly. Yeah. Um, so a surrender, talk me through what a surrender is. Yeah, a surrender is where it's an agreed ending. So it's a, you'd enter into a de deed of surrender, which might say, um, you know, the, the, the tenant will make good the premises and they'll pay X amount of rent, perhaps over an extended period, but the, the lease will now end as at this date. 
and then the landlord can then go ahead and find new tenants and, and move on, as opposed to having an, uh, an ongoing dispute where a landlord's chasing a tenant who's already gone, mm -hmm. uh, they end up in court suing them. Um, because we have seen examples mm -hmm. where people have just literally packed up and walked away and Locked tried to door. hide, essentially. Yep. Yeah, okay. So that's never the right way to go. It's yep. going to come back eventually. Mm. Okay. Um, anything else that you guys would like to touch on that you think is of relevance to our audience listening to do with um, the fact that JobKeeper has come to an end, that we're finding that these reliefs are not necessarily um, there and they were necessary to help us get through this period. But anything else that you think is a good takeaway? I think um, people are, ma are now probably more aware of, of, of what a pandemic can do. So I think in future lease agreements, starting from scratch, there'll be, there'll be more attention paid to force majeure clauses, you know, if, so in the event of a pandemic, certain things will happen. Um, and I think the, the, the market will change. So uh, people will be working from home. So that's going to impact the way uh, buildings are fitted out and ultimately the way leases uh, are, are drawn up. Now, and I'm not saying that that means there's going to be less people in office buildings, but I suspect there'll be more hot hot desking and uh, open plan and that sort of thing. So it'd be interesting to see how, how that all pans out because I think there was an initial belief that suddenly there'll be less people in the city because everyone's going to work from home, but now that's swinging back to, to more thinking that people still prefer to come to the office. Um, Certainly in South Australia we've seen that yeah. trend. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see how that pans out and what impact that has on, on just the sort of work we do generally. Okay. Anything from you, Charlie? Um, I think I would probably just reiterate what we've said about trying to maintain an amicable relationship during the negotiations because the one thing we can say for certain is the situations we've dealt with where either party has been overly hard-nosed or stubborn has not ever resulted in a good outcome no. for either. Okay. And if it was to end up in a mediation or in court, that sort of approach will not be looked on kindly by the presiding officer. If you were a landlord or tenant and you're mm. finding yourself in a situation where you feel like um, yeah. the terms of the lease are being stretched or potentially yep. broken, um, at what point should somebody engage the services of someone like yourselves? I think as soon as you start to feel that way, that the other party's being unreasonable, get some legal advice about the best approach, we can help either look over a letter or a suggested approach from you and just work out what the best steps are. Just not just the best steps, also what rights you have mm -hmm. and what approaches are available to you. Because people often don't understand, you know, the impact of the COVID-19 Emergency uh, Response Act and mm -hmm. the, the impact that's had on, and, uh, on, on the ability to, to deal with breaches of lease. And so if you understand what rights you've got, whether it's a landlord or a tenant, mm -hmm. it will impact um, on your next steps and your decisions. Okay. Well, I think tenants often have more rights than they realise too. I, I, I'm aware of tenants who've left buildings and I need to find out they didn't get legal advice and um, you know they probably, probably had rights then they could have stayed there, but anyway. Hmm. Well, I want to thank both James and Charlie for their time today. Um, obviously, it's an uncertain time and um, you know, I think it's some, some sound advice about keeping those lines of communication open and when you feel like it's not working in your favour, perhaps reaching out and seeing what options you've got available. Yep.
Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks, Lucy. The information in this podcast is general in nature. The podcast terms and conditions or further information either James or Charlie, our property team or Mellor Olsen in general can be found at molawyers.com.au.